City Jazz Sessions is about great music, arts, and entertainment. We are located in St. Louis, Missouri, and available to performance art lovers worldwide. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. You can email us at cityjazzsessions at gmail.com. Hello, everybody. So I am Leika, um, one of your hosts today with City Jazz Sessions. I'm Leon Davis, um, uh, also host, co-host, and born. Harper and our special guest of honor today is Chris Vaughn. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's great to see you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris is a friend of City Jazz Sessions. If you go back on our videos, you will see one from back in the early days, uh, an interview and uh, with him. So Thanks so much for having us back or being back. And you've had a lot of changes since the last time you've um, sat in with City Jazz Sessions. You've moved from St. Louis to New York and um, just kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what's been going on since we saw you the last time. And on, also for people who don't know you, um, tell us about, you know, who you are as a musician and, and, um, and what you do. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah, I was just trying to think about when it was the last time I was on. I think it has been quite quite a long time. So, um, so yeah, just good to see see all you guys. And um, yeah, good to get caught up. And um, but yeah, my name's Chris Swan. Uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I'm a piano player, singer, songwriter, <clears throat> uh, rapper, label owner. Uh, just, you know, what all musicians do, just trying to hustle a living in music, right? So you got to do a million different things to, to put, piece it all together. But, um, but yeah, I would say, you know, the main thing is I play piano and I write music and, uh, uh, and perform. So I've been, um, yeah, professional musician, I mean, since I was 12, I'm 44, so I can't do math. Uh, but however long that is, I've um, been doing it. A long time. <laughs> yeah, a long time. A uh, long time. 32 years, is that right? Wow, that's crazy. So, wow. yeah, I mean, you know, it's just what I've always loved. I, you know, from when I was a little kid, I just loved figuring out songs. And then I learned how to write my own songs. And then that was it for me, man. I mean, I always call myself really blessed because a lot of people you know, have to try to figure out what they want to do with their lives or what they want to be when they grow up, right? And I always knew that from a really young age. So, um, so yeah, so I used to, I lived in St. Louis for 20 years. I'm from Michigan, but I moved to St. Louis to actually go to college. <clears throat> I went to Greenville College, which is now Greenville University. It's in Greenville, Illinois. Hmm. So, uh, that got me down in the St. Louis area, and then I fell in love with St. Louis and uh, decided to stay there. So, uh, and I was in a band at the time called LP Outsiders, um, and we were like a kind of hip hop R&B fusion band. Um, and so we met in college. We decided to move to St. Louis, and we toured the country uh, for six years and put out a bunch of records and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's what kind of got me to St. Louis, and. Uh, and St. Louis became home, you know? So I um, lived in St. Louis for 20 years, almost exactly. 
Um, and then I've always had this dream to move to New York City. Um, I've always wanted to live in New York. Uh, every time I come to New York, I, I don't want to leave. You know, it's just like, oh, man, this is where yeah. everything cool happens. You know, like you've been, it's right. just energy, right? And, uh, and the culture and the music and the art and uh, just all of it. And so, um, so how, yeah. How long have you been in New York now? So I moved to New York uh, in February. I moved here so i've only oh, been okay. here so during right. the pandemic huh yeah i've only been here five months i moved right in the middle of the pandemic um I, as everyone else was leaving new york you decided to go exactly <laughs> i saw it as an opportunity because i was i was in kind of a phase of my life where i was kind of transitioning some things i was selling my house um i kind of wanted to declutter and simplify my life so i was selling all my stuff um i had a business in st louis it was a music school and i was ready to sell that so i was selling my business um so it just felt like you know i'm doing all this that's now's the time to do it if you do it do it now plus with the pandemic um everybody was leaving new york you know so they needed renters so it was a buyer's market in new york man uh the prices for rent in apartments is just unheard of so yeah. When all those things kind of came together, I just kind of decided, like, now that's the time. So I'm going to move to New York City in the middle of this crazy time in our, in our lives. And how do, you, how do you like it so far? I love it. I love it. I always say that there's no place I'd rather be in the world. Like, uh, you know, you, it's funny. I, I haven't been here since 2005. I didn't take a trip out here or anything. I found an apartment online. I applied, I just kind of like, I'm just going to go out and just go. So there's that part of you that's like, am I going to get there and just like hate it? You know what I mean? Is this right. going to be too much or whatever? But no, I totally the opposite experience. There's been a lot to learn. It's been very overwhelming. It's a very, a lot going on in this city, especially as a musician. It's really overwhelming trying to plug into that community. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'm learning all that stuff a little bit at, at, at a time, but I love it here. It's an amazing place. It's an amazing city. Um, and I love being here during this time because even since I've been here, things have been opening up and coming back to life. Another reason I wanted to be here at this time because I wanted to be here when everything started kind of coming back. And Broadway is coming back in September and all this kind of stuff. So it's just a really fun time to be in New York City. And uh, it has not let me down. I, I love this city more and more every day. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about how, you know, you just kind of took the bull by the horns. You didn't want to have any regrets. Um, and I think that's a great exercise, even to think about our mortality in general, because I feel like we live like we're going to live forever. But, you know, when you really think about, I have a finite time here and what, do I really want to be doing? So for you, you were, you had a dream to go to New York. So you, you know, acted on that dream. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, I think, and yeah, we were talking a little bit about that exercise of just, I don't know, I got it off some podcast or something, but I was just like, that's, that's genius. So every once in a while, I just do this exercise of like, if I was, on my deathbed right now, like the doctor told me I had two hours to live, what would my regrets be? And write them mm -hmm. down. And then, all right, that just became my bucket list. That just became my goals. Like that just became what I want to do with my life.
you know? And so, yeah, New York is one of those things on there amongst other things, but, but yeah, New York was a big one. Um, so it's just, yeah, I mean, just, just do it. Just, there's always a way. And it's funny when I was trying to move here, a lot of people were supportive, but also a lot of people are kind of quick to say, Oh man, how are you going to do that? It's going to, do you know how expensive New York is and how are you going to, how are you going right. to make money and how are you going to do this and whatever. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm aware of all of that. Yes. But, um, I mean, are you just going to let that like shut you down every time you want to do something? Like there's always a way I just kept thinking, yeah, but there's people who live in New York city, right? There's 8 million exactly. people who live there. So there's no reason I can't live in New York city. Like if they can, I can't, there's a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. All those people can do it. Why can't you? Why can't right. I? Exactly. And I think, I think a lot of people come up with the excuses to kind of let themselves off the hook. So they're like, ah, I don't mm -hmm. really have to try. It's too hard. It's too expensive. Exactly. But that's kind of just becomes an excuse to not really pursue things that you really want to do because it's scary, you know, it's scary to do new things. And so, um, so yeah, like once I started researching it, I just started knocking those objections out. I found an apartment that was in my price range. I found a way to make a living. I found an apartment, you know, like all the, all the stuff, you know, it was, it took some work, but it was not impossible. So cool. you just got to cool. take that one step at a time. We so actually said, talked to a lot of artists that um, are from New York and, you know, it's obviously appealing because there's more, there, there's more opportunities there, there's more gigs, there's more venues, there's just more of everything. So did you kind of feel um, limited in any way in St. Louis or was it just that dream? Yeah, the, the kind of funny thing is most people move to New York to pursue like a career, you know, and that's not why I came to New York. I came in Europe because I wanted to live in New York City, just because I love the city. Mm -hmm. um, now, now that I'm here, yes, there are opportunities. And even before I moved, I'm like, I, I definitely am open to like exploring what could happen in New York, right? Like, uh, you know, if anything is going to happen anywhere, it can happen in New York City. There's a million opportunities. So yeah, I'm excited uh, to be here and to explore musical opportunities, but it's not why I moved here. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, um, which I think is different for, I think a lot of people come here, I'm going to make it in New York City, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was not really, it's like, nah, I just want to live in New York City, man. I just want to be there uh, and be around the culture and the music and the art. And then, yeah. So all that to say, then moving here and trying to find your way in is challenging. I don't have, I didn't have any friends here. I didn't really know anybody. I had a couple friends of friends that were around the area, but nobody that I was like, I had one friend who lived here. And ironically, when I moved here, he moved to Chicago two weeks later. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, which is fine, but it's just like, I didn't have any network. I didn't have any real, sure. it's starting from scratch. Um, so, um, so that can be overwhelming because you're in the, now you're in the, you're the small fish in the big pond. And in St. Louis, like I had the same feeling when I moved to St. Louis, I remember vividly driving into St. Louis, looking at the arch, I was in college and I was like, I'm going to play a gig in this, this town someday. Right? <laughs> you know? right. I, that was amazing. Cause I grew up in a small town, you know, so to play in St. Louis, 
that was a huge goal. And then I got my first gig and then I got another gig and then you know how it goes. And after right. 20 years, you're, you know, I had plenty of gigs and all kinds of gigs and was doing the stuff I wanted to do. And it was awesome. And um, everybody so knows I, you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I got to play with a lot of great people, which introduced me to a lot of great people. And I'm very thankful and blessed to be a part of that community. And even though I don't live there anymore, I still consider myself part of that musical community because I think it always will be kind of my musical home. Right. Because, that's, you know, that's where I really came up in music was in St. Louis. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it got to the point where it's like, I definitely want to pursue some other things mm -hmm. maybe are impossible here in St. Louis. Um, but honestly, that's not really why I moved. I didn't move to New York to get away from St. Louis. I moved to New York because I wanted to be in New York. You know, yeah. it was actually hard to leave St. Louis. I love St. Louis. I still really love St. Louis and miss it, you know? So it wasn't like I was trying to get away from that. It was just because I wanted to be in New York City. And so what, what, is, what is different about uh, New York City and St. Louis that was driving that, that desire? That's a, that's a really good question. I think, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's the pace of the city. I actually really love, so I live in Manhattan and I really love the like hustle bustle. I mean, you walk out the door and everyone's just going for it. You know what I mean? Uh, there's just like an excitement in the air. Um, I also really like the tall buildings, <laughs> just kind of mm -hmm. but you know, it's just like, it, but it's amazing. These amazing buildings and like amazing churches and amazing, architecture all around you at all times. Um, I think it's like everything I like about St. Louis, just times a million, like times a thousand, right? Like a million might be a little bit, but you know what I mean? It's just like all the awesome things about St. Louis that I love, but it's just, you know, amplified here, you know? So like St. Louis just has a great music scene and great musicians, man. It's an amazing musical town. And then New York City is that, and then just the best of the best of the best too, you know? So like everybody we go to the bistro to see in St. Louis, right? They're playing in Central Park right now. Like I can just go walk over and see, you know, I just saw, you know, like uh, Chris Potter and Marquise Hill and, and you know, so all these like, hmm. you know, amazing musicians are, they're here, you know what I mean? So I think it's just kind of that, like being closer to where, um, a lot of like the real, um, cause I don't want to say like, I'm not downplaying St. Louis at all. St. Louis is amazing musical history and amazing musical talent. I just think it's like in New York city, it's just like, man, this is it though. This is where the industry is. This is where the best of the best live. Um, so that's definitely a big part of it, but also I just really love the history of New York city and mm -hmm. it's, you know, place in, in American history and all that stuff. So just seeing the Statue of Liberty and going to Times Square and all the touristy stuff. Um, I just, I, I love it. Maybe after I'm here for 10 years, that'll wear off, but I don't think it will because even in St. Louis, I would still go to the arch all the time. Like I love history and I love, um, I love St. Louis's history and the musical history there. And I, I never got enough of that. So again, in New York, it's just like that. It's just times a thousand. It's just like, oh, there's even so much more of it here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's just so much to take in. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's just all the things that St. Louis had is just 
all that and then some new stuff too. So, so how did you sorry. happen? How did you happen to end up in Manhattan? Yeah, so that's the big question when you decide to move to New York City is like where are you gonna live, right? Because which borough are you gonna live in and then which neighborhood yeah. are you gonna live in? I started off with Brooklyn because all my favorite rappers are from Brooklyn. So I was like, I'm gonna live in Brooklyn, BK, that's gonna be dope, you know. Um, but as I started talking to some people who lived here, my friend who was here at the time and some others, um, just kind of got a better picture of what mm -hmm. the kind of neighborhoods are like and what I was kind of looking for. Um, and I realized like, if you're going to move to New York city, like move to Manhattan, like at least for a year or two, like live in Manhattan and maybe I, I might move to Brooklyn. I like Brooklyn a lot. And so maybe I'd move out there eventually, but, but at first I want to be right in Manhattan because that's where all the, that's where the action, action is. Yeah. yeah. That's where all the excitement is. I want to walk out of my front door and just be right in the middle of it you know okay. so and then so then it's where in manhattan because there's a you know million different neighborhoods and sections and um so i set it on the upper east side because it's it's a little more residential it's just a little bit removed from the crazy but i have two trains that are within a block and a half from me and i can be in times square and the theater district or downtown or whatever in you know 15 20 minutes mm -hmm. so a friend of mine said you know, it doesn't matter where you live. If you live in Manhattan, you can get anywhere you want to get pretty quick. So then, because at first I was like, well, I want to live in the theater district in Hell's Kitchen because I want to be by Broadway, you know? And he's like, man, it's going to be crazy. And it's not necessary because you can get there no matter where you live. And now that I'm here, I get that. But it, I was doing all this without uh, coming here. You know, I hadn't been here in like 15 years. So um, I relied on a lot of friends who live here or had lived here in the past to kind of help me sort through that but i also really wanted to be by central park i'm four blocks from central park and that was really very important nice. so very nice yeah it's awesome so your website is chris juan hip-hop mm -hmm. that's right so um what made you focus on hip-hop yeah um good question i so i grew up <laughs> it's funny i grew up in a town called the alpine village couldn't be more removed from hip hop culture. Uh, and so I way up in Northern Michigan, you know, and um, I don't know, I grew up in the nineties, man. And I just, I just loved nineties hip hop, that classic era of hip hop. Um, even the eighties stuff with Run DMC. I mean, up there it was a lot of what was maybe on pop radio at first, but then as I got more into it, I just discovered that I really loved love the music and the culture um and i i had you know so when i was i mean i started writing songs when i was 10 or 11. i had a band when i was maybe 13 12 or 13. Oh, wow. so it was a hip-hop group uh as a duo it was called he and me <laughs> and uh we just started doing shows you know um and just started playing like churches and elk lodges you know basically who would ever let these little kids come play oh, nice. you know and, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know why I chose, I, I feel like, and this is a super cliche thing to say, but I don't think I ever chose it. I think it just kind of, for whatever chose reason, you. it chose me, right? That's what yeah. I was trying to say, because it's kind of the, right. but no, it's true though. It happens though. I think yeah. the weirdest things that are in your just DNA and fabric, like you don't choose, they just come yeah. out of you. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For whatever reason. And, and it's just, even if you're far, I was far away from Brooklyn, you know, it's in Northern Michigan. I wasn't where hip hop was right. growing up or really, you know, but for some reason it still resonated with me. I don't know if that's something we're born with or what, but, um, you know, it was for a long time. All I listened to was hip hop, R&B and jazz. Like that's all I listened to. I mean, up to like maybe five or six years ago like that's oh, all I for a long time. And now recently I've, I've started to like some other stuff, probably more than five years, maybe the last 10 years, but, but I don't know why, but it just, yeah, I think it just chose me. It just resonated with me. I knew I wanted to do it. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to make beats. Um, yeah. I just wanted to be, you know, a part of that movement. So when I first heard you on some of your CDs, uh, doing some rap stuff, I had to stop. I'm like, dang, dude is flowing, man. I mean, it was just coming out real natural. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm digging this, man. I was shocked, though, because I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> Thanks. No, I appreciate that. I, yeah. I, yeah, I get that a lot. I don't know that I <laughs> maybe don't look the part or whatever, which is fine. I used to try. I used to try really hard to look all like hip-hop. Hip yeah, totally. <laughs> I grew up in the '90s, so I had all the Carl Kanai and all the, you know, Living Color and all the yeah. Jenko, whatever. Yeah, I had all the cool stuff. But I think as I got older, I just realized, like, ah, oh, that's just a lot of work to try to keep up on that. So I kind of just dress pretty simple, <laughs> simply now. So anyway, yeah, I know I don't always look like the you know rapper persona, but I actually kind of like that because I just, I think I was trying really hard to to be more than I was. And I, I think I like that. I like to put across that like you don't have to fit anyone's exact picture of what you think you're supposed to be or whatever, you know, right. like you can just kind of a nerdy guy who likes rap music. And that's what you, I mean, whatever, whatever's in you, as long as it's, as long as it's legitimately in you and you're not just right. trying to like, you know, be cool and do something that you know what I mean. There is a point it's where more it's more authentic it, that way. You're like, authentic. this is me. I just happen to like hip hop, and I don't have to be like everyone else who's doing hip hop. Like right. I can just be me and also do hip hop. And that's yeah. exactly how it was. I'm like, this that that was him. You know, and that's what it came across. I'm like, okay, I'm digging this. He's a rapper too. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks but hip hop and jazz, like I don't necessarily like think of those two genres as someone who would like both. Yeah. So how did you I mean, how did that happen? You started off doing hip hop in 11, 12, 13-ish, and then where did the jazz come in? Yeah, that's a that's um a good point. I think so I really got into jazz when I got into college because I had a really great teacher that kind of opened my eyes. To that whole world mm -hmm. um, and so i got into frank sinatra and i got into thelonious monk yeah. and michael that's when i got into michael franks which to this day is probably my favorite artist of all time um but also you know all the bebop stuff and hard bop and like I, I it was really college i started hanging out with other musicians who liked it too and so that really oh. turned me on to it um so yeah i think you know up until college like I was in jazz band in high school. I don't know why, right. I didn't do that. but um, you know, we played take the A train and stuff like that. You know, um, 
and I think that was the first time I was kind of, you know, um, brought into the world of jazz. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I like swing. It's cool. I don't know. Like, I just like the swing. I like the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think honestly, Sinatra is probably one that kind of got me into, like, I like the songs. I like his voice and that kind of got me into like swing and then got into kind of Basie and then Monk and Bill Evans and, and, um, all that stuff. So yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, my mom and dad listened to Christian music, classical music and Elvis, you know, <laughs> so I didn't have any hip hop, R and B, or jazz influence at all growing up, and right. um, I just kind of found my way. But yeah, jazz specifically was in college. I really fell in love with it, and then um, for, started a band. and We started doing gigs, so that's how I really got into it. Because I was like, "Oh, we can make money playing parties," you know. So there you go. We started the, the AM Jazz Trio. It was called, and so started doing gigs, and and then. Once you start playing jazz, you're like, well, I need to learn more about this. So that's when I really started listening and learning. Yeah. You mentioned Frank Sinatra. Now that I think about it, when I look back at him, he was really ahead of his time. I mean, he just, you couldn't put him in a box and he just let it out there. And he, he was really broad. He was, I mean, he was just one of the greatest singers, you know, and not because not traditionally how we think of great singers like American Idol singers, you know, he's not mm-hmm. that kind of singer. He's great because he, he just had a swing and a swagger that, mm-hmm. and again, no one really had it like him. There's definitely been people since who, you know, try to yeah. do it. And there's a lot of people who are great, you know, really great. But yeah, I think he was just one of the first, and the biggest and, but he just, his phrasing, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't have much of a range. He had like an octave and a half, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. he didn't have a range, you know. But, but he his, had timing. his timing, his timing, weird. It was like he he was in his own box there. Yeah, he was a he was an instrumentalist, man. I mean, kind of like mm-hmm. Ella Fitzgerald and and some, you know, of the uh, of the, the yeah yeah. There you go. You know, Ella was really known for that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of the male equivalent of that. I think he was just very much thought of it like an instrumentalist. And because of that, his phrasing was just different and it just swung, man. He was just a swinging yeah. singer. Mm-hmm. It just felt really good. And then because he was popular, he got all the good songs. So he has all these like great songs, <laughs> you know, right. that he made right. really popular as well. So um, yeah. yeah, he opened he doors for other artists too. He kind of opened up society and music. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that that happened with him too, right? Like mm-hmm. I think crossing some of that jazz over into the pop culture. Yeah, yeah. And he integrated, racially integrated some of the venues that were really against it. Uh, he was pushing the envelope. That's true. He was really a big part of that. He's a really big advocate of that as well, which is awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. That's off the front. So let me ask you a question. Um, are you, uh, you know, what are you, you, what are you doing to uh, support yourself now? Are you, you doing music? Um, yeah, so good question. I, yeah, um, so I don't really have many gigs yet. Uh, like I said, I didn't really have any connections and my, I didn't move here for career. I kind of just wanted to get settled and plugged in. I haven't, so I'm playing in a church here. Um, I'm playing in a church band. It's a great band. I mean, like these guys are like legit, um, heavy hitters, like just really great players, man. Uh, and so I just started going to this church cause I, I knew it's the Redeemer East side. I knew the 
former pastor as an author and I've read some of his books. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go, I'm in New York. So I'm going to go to his church. Right. Um, and then, but listening to this band, I was just like, man, these cats are just like swinging. Like they're really good. They would take secular songs and do like instrumental ver jazz versions of them in a church. And I was like, that's just so cool. You know? Um, so I was like, man, it's just, I love it. I, it would be cool to just know these guys, be able to hang out with them. And, just through some circumstances, I ended up meeting the worship director and she's like, well, send me an email. And I sent her an email and she's like, hey, we need a synth player who can sing. So uh, you're in. <laughs> so I got this gig. It was just, I'd been here a couple months, maybe at the most. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get that gig at the church. So doing that has been really, really good. Uh, plug and because of that, I've started to meet a lot of other musicians through, mm -hmm. through that gig, like the guys in the band, but also the guys that they know. Um, so that's a really long roundabout way to say is that's it's the only gig I'm playing right now. Um, and honestly, I'm just kind of taking my time to feel where I want to fit in to the music scene here. Right. It goes on and on and on, but I was a piano bar guy in St. Louis for a long time. That's how I made my living for 12 years or so doing dueling pianos and piano bars. Mm -hmm. I hated every single day of it. <laughs> an awful thing to say. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm also very grateful for it. I got to do a lot of really cool things. I got to play in the Caribbean islands for like five, six years. I basically would go live in Aruba for a month and play in Aruba and then go to St. Martin and live there for oh, a month. Wow. So yeah, I got to do some awesome things and meet some awesome people and travel the world. So I'm very, very thankful for it. But it's not what I ever got into music to do is to play Piano Man and Sweet Carolina Brown Eyed Girl every night, which is what it is, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. anybody who's been in a band knows that like those are like the songs you don't want people to request, Mustang Sally and all that, right? That's what you do in piano bars. So it was cool. It was good to be able to make a living. I'm thankful for the experience I got and all that I learned from it. But after doing it for 12 years, I, it kind of made me hate music. I just... Because all I would listen to was songs I needed to learn. When you do piano bars, you have to know everything. So you're constantly learning songs, and you have no bandwidth to just listen to music you like anymore. All I would do is listen to my songs to learn playlist, which is full of songs that I don't like because you just have to play what people want to hear. You know, so it's just either really crappy pop songs or, you know, Billy Joel, Elton John stuff. I like some of their songs, but I'm not like a huge fan. But like stuff that I want to play, like Stevie Wonder or, you know, that barely ever gets requested. So you're not really playing the stuff you want. You're playing stuff that people want to hear. Right. Uh, and so all that, I, that was part of the transitions. When I moved to New York, I kind of want to retire from the piano bar thing. So when I got here, of course, all the people who wanted to offer me gigs were piano bar gigs. So... <laughs> I, and there's actually a piano bar literally right around the corner. It's on the next block over. And I know the person who knows the owner. So it's like, oh, my gosh, I could. When I got here, it was like I had a decision to make. Like, I could just start doing piano bars again and make a living. Um, and I chose not to. I chose not to because I, because it just... I don't want to get sucked back in. It's so hard to get out. I decided to get out. And I've been really starting to love music again. I've been listening to music and playing stuff that I like. And I haven't had that in probably 10 years. So I'm like, I really want to protect that. I don't want to just start doing these gigs to make money and then 
get really bitter and cynical about music again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that's been hard because I could be doing these gigs, but I've chosen not to. Um, so because of that, I got to find a way to make a living. So I was doing, uh, sh I, I teach piano lessons online. So I have a few students that I teach. I was doing shipped for a while, delivering groceries. Mm. Tough in Manhattan without a car. <laughs> um, without a car. Oh, without man. a car. So you're using the subway. It's a thing. You can do it, but it's really, really tough. So um, I just started reaching out, putting out applications and stuff. And uh, just going back to like getting a normal job. I haven't had a job in like 15 years. I've always been self-employed. Mm -hmm. as a musician or teacher um so it's been a new uh chapter of just trying to kind of make make ends meet while i kind of try to figure out what's next so i work for a plumber right now <laughs> that's what i do for a living which wow. is insane because if you knew me you know I, I don't i'm not a handy person i don't even know how to use a drill like i am not that guy oh my God at all and i told him that i'm like hey man i don't know how to do any of this but if you want to train me i'm in because i need a job and so he's like yeah i'll train you so i've been working for a plumber for about two months he's been showing me how to do it man those guys work hard um oh, i've never yeah. had a job I've never had a job like that done any soldering yet yes so <laughs> soldering we've done, I've done some soldering that is just a nightmare like trying to figure out where to hold the torch, where to hold the solder, just, oh my gosh. But right. man, I have a great boss who just really takes the time to like show me everything and train me and super patient with all my dumb questions. And um, he shows me stuff over and over and over. And the cool thing is I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot and uh, and learning some things that will come in handy, you know, Absolutely. around the house. So somewhere later in life, you'll uh, use some of those skills probably. Totally. Oh, sure. Totally. So how about so, get into your um, blog a little bit because yeah. I um, started following you and you write about some very interesting topics. I, I'm a dietitian by trade, so I've seen some of your posts about, um, you know, your weight loss um, journey and then also um, your journey with sobriety and so i kind of you don't mind uh, talking about a li little off the music subject but um how you kind of got into blogging and, and sharing you know some personal things and and why you chose to do that yeah absolutely i love talking about that stuff so um i yeah so i got sober about five years ago um and then i actually um joined Overeaters Anonymous, which is like AA, but for food, mm -hmm. um, about three years ago. And that's when my life completely changed. Um, the 12-step program of recovery saved my life, no doubt, um, and changed my life. I was 505 pounds at uh, the biggest I got. I was having, it was just all the things. I could barely walk, couldn't breathe, pre-diabetic, having chest pains constantly, on and on and on I could go, but I was really scared and really, it was not good. I was either going to be in a wheelchair or I was going to die pretty soon. Um, yeah, I and so I got, just a second, like, cause I've heard, I've always heard about the 12 cell program. And um, um, I've also, I actually also work, I work with individuals who are in recovery, like on their nutrition. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't really actually know a lot about the 12 step program. And I've heard someone say that everyone should do the 12 step program. Like everyone can absolutely benefit from it. So would you mind just pausing and giving us a little bit of synopsis of what it is? Totally. Yeah. Love to love to. And that's totally what I think we all say that, but that's totally the thing I say too. It's like everybody, whether you have an, you know, an addiction problem or not, everyone should go through the 12 steps because it's not really about you. You started because you're desperate because you can't stop. For me, it was, I, I quit drinking on my own, but it didn't really solve the real problem. And so when I quit drinking, I went to food and I just started eating even more and I gained a bunch of weight. So it wasn't until I was really scared for my health that I got desperate enough to ask for help, which led to this 12, 12 step program. Um, but yeah, it's, but it's, so it's not just about you come in cause you're trying to, oh, I need to just stop eating. I just need to lose weight, you know? But as soon as you get into it, you realize that that's just a symptom. That's not the real problem. And so the 12 step program is really about spiritual wellness. It's about spiritual health. And then if you do that work, whatever addiction you have is going to, uh, get better because you're you're doing the spiritual work, you know, whether it's drinking or food or drugs or whatever it is, we're all just using these substances as ways to comfort ourselves and soothe our soothe ourselves because mm -hmm. we can't deal with our emotions. We can't deal with it always comes down to resentment, shame, and uh, fear. You know, it always comes down to one of those three things or all three, fear, resentment, and shame. So either I'm just terrified and anxious, or I just feel resentful towards other people who have done me wrong and I'm angry all the time, or I'm just full of self-loathing and hate myself for things I've done, you know what I mean? Or things I'm continuing to do. So the 12-step program is really genius because it, it takes people like me who are super cynical about, um, can be super cynical, I've learned to be less cynical, but like cynical about life or about God, um, and it lets you take one little step at a time back to a, a really a relationship with God. We call it our higher power. So some people don't like the word God because that feels like religion and that's a whole thing that people are right. bitter towards. And that was part of my story too, is I grew up in the church, but I kind of walked away from it because I was kind of bitter about ways people have hurt me or what people in the church have done or i started doubting is god really there so i just kind of walked away from it the 12-step program is designed to bring you back to a higher power or for me i call the higher power god so the 12 steps but a lot of people <clears throat> who are addicted or or stuck in a cycle are very much um i can do this on my own i don't need god i don't believe in mm -hmm. god you know the church is bad they just hurt people you know there's a lot of bitterness there so the steps are so genius because they just one step at a time gets you back to saying okay maybe there is a god maybe i'm willing to surrender my will over to this god you know what i mean but it starts from the very beginning of just saying number one is i'm powerless i need help I need help. And for me, I was so scared I was going to die. I'm like, I need help. So I'm powerless over this thing. And then two is to admit that maybe there's a higher power. Okay. Maybe it doesn't have to be the Catholic church God or whatever, you know, but can you just say that there's some force in the universe that is bigger than me 
And am I willing, step three, to surrender to that power? Um, and so really it's just about saying I need help and surrendering over to a higher power. Sometimes that's just your sponsor or your meeting or just the group or the program. You know, if you're not ready to say there's a God, but the point is you need to be willing to like surrender, mm-hmm. let go, humble yourself. So that's kind of the first three steps. And then once you kind of uh, do that, then four and five is kind of about taking personal inventory. So uh, resentment, shame, fear, you write down on paper all that stuff that you're holding on to. That's quite an exercise. It usually takes a long time, but you just get it all down. That's all the stuff that's making us sick. It's all the stuff I'm so mad about or so afraid of or all the the beliefs I have about myself and why I hate myself. You got to get all that stuff out on paper on paper so the substances are really a distraction from not the substances or food or whatever it is or social media anything that we're is it it's just more of a distraction from what is really going on with us inside yes that's exactly it so it's getting clear getting clear of all that stuff we're holding on to so that we can be connected to the world again and feel good about ourselves again and feel excited about life again so that we don't need these substances anymore because we are now able to like live a life where we can face our emotions and we're not hiding, you know? Um, We're not trying to numb out or hide with food or alcohol or whatever. So it's just, yeah, it's getting all that stuff down on paper, admitting it to another person and to God, and then making your amends. So going to people you've heard, that's the one that most people know about 12 steps. You have to make your amends. So people Mm. you've heard, you need to go have conversation with those people. And, but the idea is so you can be free. You can be free and allowed to love yourself again and feel connected to God again and let the sunshine back in, you know? And when you let the sunshine back in, suddenly you don't need the food and the alcohol like you used to. And I can see where the making amends, just even having those difficult conversations, you know, that's also something we tend to avoid. If yeah. there's some sort of conflict or angst or some hurt, like it, that's just more avoiding when you're not having those conversations. Yeah. So just, I could see how that would just, that would help with getting back connected. Yep. Absolutely. We're just, think about it. Whenever there's something you're just kind of putting off in your mind, it's always kind of bugging you, but you're just kind of like pushing it off. Mm-hmm. Most of us have hundreds of those things and we don't even really realize it because we just kind of shove it down. Right. And then we don't know why, why do I always want to eat when I'm just, you know, eat or drink or smoke or smoke weed or whatever it is. Not that, you know, like why it can even be like sex or, uh, you know, like it porn. Could be it could anything. Be anything. It could be an addiction. Just can't. keep your mind off the real issues. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you just can't sit with yourself and be content. It's because that thing is always like right there. So we're always trying to distract ourselves with substances. And so the key okay. is to get clear of all that, and then you don't need the distraction anymore. And I yeah, bet and the I amends part. 
I bet the men's part is hard because of probably the guilt factor that you're feeling and you, it makes it really difficult. Yeah. And it's embarrassing sometimes. And, um, and there's even people, there's sometimes legal ramifications, you know, like, Mm. you know, there's some guys have done some stuff. I, you know, like we all have stuff in our, it's really about getting everything out of your closet that you're scared to talk about. Step five, you talk about it with another person, but in step nine, you're making amends. So there's some rules around that so that you're not hurting the other person just to clear your conscience. Right. You know what I mean? But if there is something that they know about and there's a rub between you, you need to go like, hey, I stole money from you. I I owe you money. I I stole this money and I need to pay you back. How can I pay you Mm -hmm. back? That sometimes it's like that. Or sometimes it's just you know, I'm sorry I hurt you, or I'm sorry I cheated on you, or whatever it is, you know, like, um, it can be a lot of things. But yeah, that it's hard, because you're, it's really humiliating, not humiliating, but humbling, and it can be awkward, but it's totally worth it, because when you're done, you get off the phone, or you leave, 99, all, you know, I think pretty much all of my amends, just about everybody was just like, I forgive you. I really appreciate you telling me that. Um, mm-hmm. You can let go of it. You know, like most people gave me that blessing and you're just, you're free. You're like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. If somebody doesn't give you that, that's okay. They don't have to, but you, you did your part. You right. did your part and you can be free from it. So, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge and it's, it's hard, but it's totally worth it. When you're done, you're like a new person. So do you go to uh, meetings? I know for some people that's a big, um, a big help. Yeah. Um, being in a community yeah. with other people doing the same thing. Totally. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's huge. So yes. I go to meetings. I have a sponsor. So we have sponsors, like a, you know, person who has recovery that kind of helps you a mentor. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. So I have a sponsor. Um, I go to meetings. I have a nutritionist that I work with, with my food. So I have a meal plan that I follow. Um, I, I weigh and measure all my food. I don't make any food decisions on my own. I have a written plan. This is what I eat every day. I weigh and measure. I mean, if I go to a restaurant, I take my scale with me. Like it's a hard rule. It is not, I don't mess around with it because oh, if, wow. I mess, if I mess around with that, the whole thing crumbles, you know, like I have to stay, my abstinence is number one. So, so yeah, so I have a team, you know, nutritionist yeah. sponsor meetings. It's, yeah, I can't, couldn't do it without, without those things. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, are, Leon, did you have, I know we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon. I know Leon had some questions. Sure. So um, uh, explain Loopy for me. Uh, yeah, so Loopy was a nickname I got in college. When I, I went to Greenville College in Greenville, Illinois, when I got there, um, this has probably changed now, but when I was there, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, hip-hop artists there. It was mostly like what we called CCM. I don't know if that's still a thing, contemporary Christian music. So I don't know if you remember the band Jars of Clay, but they were big right at that time. This was mid-90s. They had a big top 40 song. They were from Greenville College. So they used all that jars of clay publicity to get people to come to the school. So um, anyway, long story short, there, there was a lot of music majors, but not really anybody doing hip hop. So I got the nickname Loop 
it was originally loop because from looping beats, like making beats, taking right. samples of looping beats. So it was loop. And then that just kind of turned into loopy. And then, you know, it just kind of stuck. And for a long time, no one even called me Chris. Like I was just loopy. <laughs> like, um, yeah, which then, you know, in my drinking days, it took on a whole nother <laughs> uh, connotation of just being the life of the party, loopy, woo, you know, I use that a lot mm -hmm. in my piano bar gigs and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of where it came from. So any of you, any of your, so any of your um, St. Louis friends come to, to New York to hang out with you yet? Not many yet. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get everybody to come hang out. Like, come on, dude, let's go. You know, uh, my family was just here, uh, which is cool. My sister's family. And then my mom and dad are coming in, in September, which is cool. But I haven't been able to get any of my friends to commit. A lot of soft, like, yeah, that sounds great. We'll do it. But, you know, yeah. it takes a lot of time and money. You know, I get it. So, but eventually my goal is to get get a lot of people to come hang out with me here. Because New York is super fun by yourself, but it's even more fun with somebody, a friend from out of town. You know what I mean? Because you get to show them around and you get to, let, you know. So, yeah, I'm trying to get get all my friends to come visit so um new york has a reputation as a really uh hard town uh just you know from the aspect of you know um, uh, tourists getting robbed and you know crime and i just recently did a podcast about a, a shooting in in new york um what has been your experience as far as the crime crime goes I'm so glad you asked that question because it's one of my favorite things about New York. So we all, and I, me too, like we all hear these stereotypes, like New Yorkers are jerks, they're rude, uh, crime is bad, you're just, you got to watch where you're going all the time, you, you know, you're going to get robbed, you're going to, you know, people are going to take advantage of you. Um, and honestly, that has not been my experience at all. Like, um, certainly those people exist. You know, there are rough people everywhere you go. There are people like that in St. Louis, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I had, you know, same experiences in St. Louis. There's some people that are not so friendly, and then there's nice people. And you just, I think you find what you're looking for. So if you focus on the good-hearted people, you start to see more and more, and that's who you attract in your life. So mm -hmm. when I got here, I just remember kind of being consciously like, I'm just going to be really nice to people and bring that Midwestern, you know, charm or whatever and uh but as it turns out like people people are the same everywhere we all want to be loved we all want to connect we all want to help each other and what i realized a lot very quickly is if i just show a little kindness to somebody they they react so just like the lady at the grocery store you know if i'm just like hey how are you she her, her eyes light up and we connect and we have an, and she wants to talk to me. She's not like, I'm a New Yorker. We don't do that. Don't talk to me. You know what I mean? She's a person. So she's like, yeah, oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? You know what I mean? So I found that out really quickly that um, it's kind of a stereotype that we put on people. I, definitely there are the hardened New Yorkers. I mean, I've seen those guys too, for sure. But um, truth is there's a lot of all kinds of people here. There's all kinds of transient people. There's all kinds of, um, you know, people from the Midwest here. You know, I'm not the only guy from the Midwest in New York City, right? Like there's people mm -hmm. from all over the world. So actually I have found that people, most people are actually very kind, very much want to help you. If you just ask, hey, how do I do this? 
I see it at the subway all the time. People are always like getting lost on the subway and don't know where to go. People always stop to help somebody. They're like, yeah, do you need help? What do you need? Like, that is not what you think of when you think of New York. Right. Like you're told- That is not the way they display New York. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, it's not true. It's not accurate. I will say it is a big city and it's busy. And yes, walking down the street, you know, you're not stopping and talking to everybody. Like everybody's focused and- but it's like that in St. Louis too. Like, you know, to not like just, you know, become a mark for somebody, like, you know, who to kind mm -hmm. of avoid and who to like talk to, you know? And so it's just like that, you know, times a hundred, you know, New York is very busy. So yeah, you don't make eye contact with everybody and talk to everybody, but I was already kind of used to that in St. Louis. So thank you so much for talking to us. Um, so excited to see what else you do in New York, because I know you're going to take it by storm when, as things continue to, you know, open back up and you figure out the city and the scene. Um, so where should people go to follow you? I definitely want them to check out your blog um, for sure, but where where should they go to follow you and keep track of what you're doing? Yeah, thanks for asking and thanks for having me. It's really fun to talk, talk to you. And uh, um, chriswanhiphop.com, that is the best place to go. So. Chris Swan, Swan is just S-W-A-N, well, you see it on the screen there, I guess. So chrisswanhiphop.com, it's where you can find all my music, uh, you can find all my social media stuff, you can find, uh, you know, streaming music or, you know, CDs, if you want to buy CDs. It also has uh, my website that has all my gigs on it, stuff like that. Uh, down at the bottom, I think it says piano performance or something. I should know what that says, but that's also on that website as well. So like my gigs and stuff like that and gig calendar. So it's all there at chriswanhiphop.com. Come say hi. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. City Jazz Sessions is brought to you by St. Louis City Jazz, a 501c3 company dedicated to music education and appreciation. The CEO is Magic Man 50. And for more ways to connect with City Jazz Sessions, visit cityjazzsessions.wixsite.com slash St. Louis. The City Jazz Sessions team includes host, content director, and guest coordinator, jazz great Ronnie Barrage. Follow Ronnie at ronniebarrage.biz. Host, website designer, graphic artist, content director, and guest coordinator, singing sensation Leica. Discover more about Leica at leikamusic.com. Additional production services are provided by Lion's Den Productions. Go to thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe for more great content.